for joining us, the Wealthy Retailer Podcast with your host, Dan Holman. Every episode, Dan dives into the retail headlines that matter to you, the independent retailer, covering topics ranging from retailer inventory, technology, marketing, retailers' questions, and more. The Wealthy Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Learn more at retailbycrs.com. And now, here's Dan Holman. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. Here we are again this week, Rob. Uh, September 9th. Kids yeah. are back to school. There's parties in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Still good weather. We're having some nice September Decent. weather here. And Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, some good stuff this week, eh, Dan? Uh, right into the first story. I always like, I like the number five in their story. Five key emerging retail trends. Uh, you know, thinking next year already into 22, uh, 2022. Thank you. Yes. And beyond. Uh, we've got another one ensuring uh, your payment processes are ready for that omni-channel customer. And I, I know you'll have some great insight there. Mm. And uh, boy, if you like charts, we got a great story with uh, charts coming out the wazoo. We got uh, retail sales in Canada. And then a uh, great question this week, talking about diving into uh, some market tips for some of the upcoming shows. Yeah. So you ready, sir? Yeah, yeah. Fire away. Okay. Okay. The first story comes from retailinsider.com. I said it's the uh, five key emerging retail trends to watch in 2022 and beyond. Uh, some great points here, Dan. What what did you like about this one? Yeah, yeah. You guys know this. Retail Insider is is my morning coffee uh, rag. I read it every single morning on my phone or at my desk. Uh, and uh, their, their editor-in-chief, their founder, Craig Patterson, um, really wrote this article that comes off as a bit of a uh, advertisement perhaps for Retail Council of Canada's store conference coming up yep. uh, next week, I believe it is, like the 13th of September. Um, but Craig did share uh, these five, what we're going to call um, emerging trends. I don't know how emerging, but they are definitely retail trends that we need to watch sort of going forward. The first one um, perhaps along the, the, the lines of what we're seeing in the last 18 months, customers value inclusivity and sustainability. And for an organization to be seen as valuing employees and being sustainable, it's not really enough for us to have this statement that says our people are our top priority or we're green. It really means that we're more concerned about things like social justice and climate change and that customers now are willing to change their loyalties to brands to be more in sync with their own values. And Rob, we've talked about this uh, several times over the last year, yep. you know, people's values are changing and retailers who for a very long time hid their values from their customers now need to expand on what their values are, perhaps even be a bit more pronounced with what their values are as as customers are realigning loyalties to you know brands that stand up for what they believe in and if you believe in social justice and you believe in sustainability and inclusivity um and and believe in making positive change you know there's an audience out there that just wants to follow you that wants to be part of your great story so internally and externally, like internally and externally. Yep. Exactly. I mean, we are, and I've said this before, I say it again and again and again, uh, we have two kinds of customers that work 
that, that we work with. Yep. We have the internal customer who's our teammate, yep. who is our, uh, um, you know, team member. And then we have the external customer, the one that supports us with their paycheck. So we have one that supports us with their time in exchange for our pay. And then we have the external customer who supports us with their paycheck in exchange for product and service and demonstrating us as, as having this inclusive or social justice driven mantra um, that, that delivers some level of diversity allows people to align themselves with us. And uh, not very long ago, we talked about, you know, retailers, it's time to stand up on the mountain and shout for what you believe. You know, don't, it was, it was perhaps a prophet, the U of T that came back and said, don't do it, don't do it. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you, religion, politics, social justice, don't matter. Stand up for what you believe. There's an audience waiting for you to do that. And this is, you know, one of Craig's emerging trends. Okay. One of the other ones was the suggestion that we have to add value into our supply chain and retailers depend on these supply chains and, and technology offers uh, ways to add greater value in that. And while some innovation really uh, seems, I think Craig used the word futuristic, yeah. you know, drones and autonomous robots and, you know, but, but automation is really here to stay automation in the way that we pick and fulfill orders has been around for a long time. And now, you know, we're seeing ways to streamline how product is handled using more automation or process that allow us to make smarter decisions that, that perhaps even deliver greater value. Yeah. And, you know, just think about what automation does as adding value to your supply chain. Think about what that ability to have to utilize predictive analytics does for your supply chain, right? We need to use technology to deliver greater value in our supply to ensure that we have the right thing at the right time and looking for where those opportunities exist. Um, the third uh, trend that they talk about which I don't know where emerging fits into this, but omni-channel transforms every stage of the retail experience. Well, omni-channel isn't new in itself. Even before the pandemic, consumers were shifting towards e-commerce at some level. And when stores were forced to do e-com only business, yeah. you know, because of the limit to, to in-person shopping, well, online ordering, curbside pickup, you know, BOPIS all became more relevant for us. It became a lifeline for consumers that needed essentials. Essentials, I mean, effectively can be retail therapy. Everything <laughs> yep. that we buy could be deemed yep. essential. And for the first time, we saw that Omnichannel played this meaningful role in other verticals. And I think that it's important for us to understand here, um, retailers have to recognize that Omnichannel allows them to meet their customers' needs along every step of the process, no matter what channel they're shopping in. And you're going to find that you have um, a group of your customer that shops with you online and on store. And we have to push ourselves to think about how do I deliver a synonymous experience? Totally. One that is the same whether they shop virtually or um, physically in my store. Uh, number four, 
uh, for uh, Craig was engaging customers with experiential retail. Well, here's another secret for you. Experiential retail is not an emerging trend. Um, you know, we've talked about experiential retail for a long, long time and changing your stores to become more, you know, experiential has, has been a mantra for a long time. And now with this forced evolution we've seen in the last 12 months, it has just become a requirement for stores to focus on um, experience. And yeah. there's some really simple things. You know, we had the, the, the good fortune this weekend to hang out in the distillery district in Toronto. Distillery district, you know, a bunch of distilleries. Hmm, imagine that. Brewery. Were, there, were there cold beverages there, Dan? There were some cold beers there, many different breweries there, but also some of the really, some really cool stores um, and it was interesting to see how many stores had added some level of experience, you right. know, from the locked love sign out front to um, uh, the big beer. And, you know, there were so many little things throughout the whole district that I thought, man, that's cool. That's cool. Which yeah. is part of that experience. Okay. And yeah, they've got this bit of a district, you know, they've got a two blocks sort of maybe not quite two blocks in Toronto, but, uh, you know, two blocks here in St. Albert, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, lockdown that is the, you know, restaurants and, and brewery and gift shops and apparel stores and um, every bit of it had some experience to it. And so this is not an emerging trend. It's just this requirement today that I'm delivering some level of experience, whether that's, you know, AR, VR, or, Instagrammable wall, AR, you know, augmented reality or virtual reality yeah. with the use of, and we'll talk about that in Craig's fifth point about allowing technology to enter into your life. You know, let technology be part of that experiential uh, shopping experience that we're looking for. I like that. You know, there's the B to B, the B to C. It's almost the H to H. This is the human to human, human uh, to human, yeah, component, and and right. so much of what you described really, really touches on that. You know, the the human touch of it all, right. And so his last his last uh, point in emerging trend was that technology is helping staff deliver a competitive advantage. And I do talk a little bit about, um, you know, what's required as we as we move forward. There are things that you can do for your team that help them help their customers. Right. The Jerry Maguire deal. Help me help you. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and that can happen with technology. There's, there's better data available to us. There is, you know, certainly better augmented reality or virtual reality. We talked about AI or, or um, you know, predictive analytics or artificial intelligence. And all of this data and information um, that's available at our fingertips can aid us in delivering on our competitive advantage. And what do I mean by that? It's that nobody knows our customer like we do. I know my customer better than Sam Walton knows his customer or right, right. any other big department store. I know my customer. And you, you would look at that technology and I, I know some staff kind of get uh, uh, a little excited that it's a replacement technology versus a, no, this is, this is to augment the better experience uh, technology. Do you have a thought on that, Dan? Or? Yeah. Well, I, I do think that retailers have this, this battle to fight within to get staff to buy into change, but it's it change. is just yeah. change yeah. that comes no matter whether it's with technology or, you know, the fear of being replaced, it's just change. And I can tell you this, 
there are not many customers out there that that are applauding self-checkouts today. Yet I get 10 calls a week on, you know, self-checkout available. I want to reduce my staffing costs. I want to make it more efficient. I want to be more like an Apple store. Well, let me tell you a secret, man. Apple stores have more employees per square foot than any other store on the planet. So self-checkout didn't really help them lower costs. You know, it was perhaps about delivering a different experience. But so here we talk about this. This is just change. And the way to get uh, your team to embrace change is, is to celebrate it, is to be excited by it, is to sell, you know, a greater tomorrow to them. Right on. Well, we sell them that greater tomorrow. And to do that, we need to take their payment. So Dan, <laughs> our next story comes from yeah, retaildive.com yeah. uh, talking about ensuring your payment processes. You know, you, just in the previous story, talking about that omni-channel uh, customer, what, what stood out with you here? Well, I, I think that what we've missed along the way, um, and Retail Dive is, is sort of highlighting this, that we've got to ensure our payment processes are ready for this omni-channel customer. During the pandemic, you know, our customers got used to shopping, you know, on our store website or on an app or through social media. And not only did they get used to shopping through different channels, they became accustomed to paying through different channels. And a recent survey by payments, pymnts.com yeah. and Cybersource, you know, Cybersource is a, is a visa solution. Um, you know, their, their digital shopping channel increased by 60% over the last 12 months. And not only are they shopping more that way, but they're using methods of payment that they've never had the ability to use. Consumers, you know, today, and this came from uh, Ron Buckman is the VP of sales for North America for Cybersource, which is a, is a visa solution, as I said. Okay. And, you know, customers want this seamless uh, shop using multiple channels such as mobile and web browser and in-store. And switching between channels in the shopping process means that we've got to have multiple options available for payment. You know, I, we were talking earlier, I was in Philadelphia last week with clients. Um, and one of the clients that we were chatting with, Afterpay has been this huge request in store. Wow. Well, yep. you know, in store, we have to come up with a way to accept all of these alternate methods of payment yeah. or payment methods. The consumer today, which might be hard to believe, but they are steering further and further away from credit cards. They're not amassing as much debt right now. And so they're using things that are like Afterpay and Apple Pay and Google Pay and yep. you know China Pay Union. And so no longer can you have the, we accept Visa, MasterCard, and American Express, and Diners Club you know, in our window. It's, you know, we're inclusive. We accept all methods of payment. Maybe, maybe not cryptocurrency today, but... The, that's a yeah, different topic. But, yeah, that's a big, big topic on, on there. But I even think of like, you know, a year and a half later, you walk into a store and, and I joke, I think I've had the same $20 bill in my in my wallet for the last year and a half, use my phone to tap everything right. and uh, we don't have tap and it's kind of, uh, you know what? Uh, we're past that moment. The, right. the uh, uh, forgiveness period is over. You need over. to be thinking about your customers right, right now and, and this weighs badly on 
on you and your business. And I guess here's the challenge, Rob, that we're faced with every day and dealing with dealing with or the, you know, having the good fortune of working with retailers every single day. Yep. All they give a shit about is how much it costs them to accept a payment. You know, they're so short sighted when it comes to this. They're giving up more than they would it would ever cost them by just this example where you're saying if you don't have tap that I can tap to pay, I'm beyond my forgiveness zone now. There is no excuse for us for us not to have these methods of payment. And that speaks, you know, back to the payment processors in Canada. You know, we don't have nearly as many payment processors as our friends to the south, yeah. but it's going to take the retailers to push back to the payment processors and say, I have to be able to accept Google Pay. How can I do that? Or shop pay, right. you know, all of these products are enablers for spending that maybe yeah. that's lost on us right now. As a retailer, I'm not thinking about how do I enable payment processing? I'm worrying about 10 other things instead of, hey, how does my customer want to yeah. pay me today? So I got to go back to accepting checks. Yep. Interesting. Your point about that's the first I've heard of it. The, the afterpay now making its way into the into the brick and, brick and mortar. mortar side. Oh yeah. And, and uh, what, what a change of conversation there and, and like kind of be ready for it. Cause right. it's everywhere right now. And if you can use Zezzle or Afterpay or any, any mechanism that delays or spreads out your payments equally, you have the opportunity to increase your average sale. Yep. I can now sell a total outfit instead I, of. I can now top. afford four times as much as I could. I can afford more <laughs> than yesterday. I thought when I walked in. No. All right. So we've got to stay on top of this payment game and every retailer has to be on the phone pushing back to their payment processor to say, uh, I need a device that accepts dot, dot, dot. Right. How often, Dan, do you, you know, we talk about retailers making time for their business to, to evaluate certain things with the, we call it the dynamic shift mm. in payment and omni-channel. How often of an exercise should this be for retailers? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want us to get caught up in the, you know, in the analysis in it, but annually you're looking at your merchant solutions. At the, at the very, very least. The very minimum, yeah. you're looking yeah. at it annually to say, where are my merchant costs? I think you're listening to your customer and you're, you're not just listening to your customer, you're asking her questions. You know, hey, we were thinking about, we're hearing a bunch of blah, 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 blah about Afterpay. Is that important to you? Do you like Google Pay? Do you want to tap with your phone? You know, and the yep. and the processors that are going to win are the ones that come knocking on your door and sell it to you like it's the latest and greatest. Yeah. Instead of you going to them and saying, "This is what I need." And today, as we develop different payment solutions or different integrations for payments, it is top of mind for us. Who do we need to work with that will allow us to develop something to accept all of the pays? Google, Apple, China, all of them including Afterpay, yeah. as well as our traditional, you know, Visa, MasterCard and debit. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. We've been empowering retailers across North America for 30 years with the latest in point of sale technology, best in class support, merchandise intelligence with open to buy planning and much more. CRS has the retail solution to help take your retail business to the next level of success. Visit retailbycrs.com to learn more. Remember, Canadian Retail Solutions exists to help make you, the independent retailer, better.
Okay, sir. On to our next story coming from Canada dot constructconnect.com make sure i get that one right i like this uh talking about you know a thousand word charts retail yeah. sales in canada and as i said a lot of charts here dan which, which one stood out to you what were the numbers you liked or didn't like all right so here's a couple of things about thousand word charts so not everybody is going to know what that means what's a thousand word chart it's a chart that represents a thousand words it could could be you know, defined with a thousand words. It has that much data in it. And so, um, you know, Construct Connect or Journal of Commerce is, is sharing these these graphs regularly. Yeah. Um, and really why I leaned into this, um, you know, article about thousand word charts is, is because we've been using charts and data forever. And some of us perhaps better than others and this is just an assembly of information in a way that's easy for me to internalize or digest. It's a chart that says, oh, look at my retail sales. They're up 18% year over year. You know that we lean hard on our management one retail orbit planning to give us those KPIs. But yep. this is really what jumped out at me. We've been doing this forever. And this is just about a way for us to digest data. And you know, Journal of Commerce is is pushing more uh, graphs and more charts. And this data for me has to be inspirational. So I go look at, you know, what is my what were my June year over year sales in clothing and accessories? Well, I'm up about 14 percent. If you're a managed one client, you were probably up significantly more than that. Um, but the numbers that they're sharing, hey, clothing and accessories up almost 14 percent. Um, furniture and home goods up 13, motor vehicle and parts 7%, and electronics and appliances 6%, uh, general merchandise 4%. So there, we're seeing lots and lots of data that perhaps gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling. But again, I'm going to say, Rob, the point of this article was that, hey, there's a lot of retail data out there. And, you know, we're producing data today that is technically three months old, almost three months old, or two and a half months old, we're gonna call it, before we action it. Well, this data is readily available at your fingertips in your POS system. And looking at, you know, how do I, how do I put together a thousand word chart? Something that gives me a very clear and That's concise, like you know, picture yeah. that, that tells me what my next action needs to be. This, this data is to help me make better informed decisions. And I ask myself, you know, how do I how do I put a picture together that is a thousand words in one concise format? Look at my denim business year over year, month over month. That's good data that, you know, I don't need to look yeah. through a 25 page report if I can make it a totally. little more concise, which is really the power of what charts are. And I can tell you this, you know, going to, uh, you know, going to uh, speaker school. You know, you never stand in front of an audience and show them a chart or a graph. <laughs> you know, that's the fastest way to lose somebody. But truthfully, we think in pictures, right? We yeah. think in, in pictures, not words. And so showing me something Power gives me a better understanding of what you're saying. Yeah. And that's what graphs do for us. I mean, that's what these thousand word graphs are, are giving us. I liked your point about making your own thousand word 
graph yeah. and it kind of it makes me think that you know do you decide do you decide what clothes to wear based on the weather report from june right <laughs> or would you rather from this week's weather report and right. and i think it it translates perfectly into making you know informed decisions about your store performance on on just that it does and data rob has to be reviewed on a recent basis i don't Quite frankly, I don't give a shit how far up or down sales were in June. This is September. So what do I need to do in September so that I can look back three months from now and celebrate what I did? Well, that's how that's how I mean, every one of these guys that are assembling mass data and sharing thousand word charts out they're they're sharing old information. Right. You have this information available at your fingertips today. And if your point of sale you know, doesn't do that, or you're not sure how to do it, just pick up the phone and call the guys at CRS. Even if you're not on one of our platforms, they're going to talk to you. They're going to answer some questions. Hey, I heard Dan yammering on about a thousand word graph. Can I make a graph in my POS system? Are the graphs available? Oh, in fact, there are some available. Yes. (laughs) Okay. uh, Speaking of questions, uh, retailer question this week. Uh, You got a gooder. Let's hear all about it. So this, this actually came yesterday from, from Monica. I was on the phone with Monica um, and we, you know, we hadn't done a retailer question a couple of weeks and, and she asked me about the retailer questions and, you know, why did we abandon it? And I said, we didn't really abandon it. It's just cyclical. We're going to go through these where we did a whole podcast with nothing but questions. And she said, well, I have a question. Could you answer it? I'm like, of course I could. Inquiry minds want to yes. know. What's your question? Um, and really, it was all about, you know, she's headed to market this week here in Edmonton, which, P.S., you know, this is the last apparel market of the year, I think. We're, you know, a day late and a dollar short. But nonetheless, Monica's going to go and do some buying for spring, all of which, you know, her apparel vendors had told her their cutoff was September 1st, but yet they're doing a trade show on September 10th or 11th right. or whatever. Yeah. So a little bit ridiculous. But nonetheless, Monica says to me, well, give me your three best, Dan, just your three best. I'm like, I don't know if I have three best tips for going to market, but let's let's give it a whirl. Number one. Day one of market is spent walking the floor, not meeting with reps, not meeting with people you already know. You'll see those people that you already know at a cocktail party tonight or in your appointment that you've probably already scheduled erroneously on, you know, Saturday or Sunday. Spend the first day or half a day just walking the floor. Today, we are so challenged with disruption, with supply chain disruption the people that are winning are those that are expanding their reach and looking to new vendors tried and true doesn't exist right now i've got to look at how do i augment my assortment with potential new vendors that have inventory today and that if i'm getting a little bit less from a lot more i have more diversity in my store when i'm going to need it Right here we are, you know, it's it's September 8th or 10th and we are, um, you know, up to our knees in fall and not a lot of fall inventory has arrived. Right. And even as fall inventory is arriving, it's not arriving at the same level that we would normally see it. I mean, our outdoor stores right now are streaming for inventory. They are behind. And. This is, this is our opportunity to get in front of it. So there's two things you're going to do at market. My first one, walk the floor. 
look for new opportunities. The second thing you're going to do is look for people that have inventory available right now, right? Not just the people that you're working with, but everybody. Do you have immediates? Do you got available inventory? You have fall goods available right now? Yes, we do. Okay, let's talk. You know, does it fit? And then now let's talk about does it fit my assortment really comes down to you know, your job is not to fill your store, it's to fill her closet. And I'm not sure I made that phrase up or that up, but I, I lean hard on it. Your job's to fill her closet, not your store. And so every single thing you buy, the first question you're asking is who will buy this? The second question you ask yourself, how much will she pay for it? And then look at the cost and ask yourself, does this make sense? Don't look at how much something costs to decide whether to buy it or not. Ask yourself, what will it sell for? Can I inch my price points up in my store a little bit? So my, my three for Monica were walk the show floor, find immediates, and put a name on every single thing you buy. And if you're using the same customer for everything you buy, <laughs> you're probably not going to have a good opportunity to fill her closet. She's only got so much. Her closet was full a long time ago. You know, you've got to be thinking about that diverse customer base that you have and who does this product fit? And it's not every color, every cut. It's I'm looking at a new style. I'm looking at a new collection. Yeah. Who am I going to who am I going to pick the phone up tonight and call to get excited about this collection in my store? And if you can't think of someone pass on it, no matter what raving review you get yeah. from a representative. Right, right. I got an idea for those three steps, Dan. Yeah. Walk it, lock it. <laughs> no, walk it, talk it, lock it. There you walk go. It, talk it, lock it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I could be more concise. <laughs> uh, well, that's so, awesome. you know, here, Monica's going to a trade yeah. show this week is, is here in Edmonton, the Alberta men's wear show, the, the trends apparel show, pardon me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she's probably done a ton of buying already at hotels in and around the city and going to wrap up her two or three days this weekend down at Northlands. Uh, do some great apparel buying for spring. Um, and I, I sort of steered her closer towards buy for fall um, as well as, you know, when you're buying for spring, yeah. there's, there's lots of opportunities for us to buy. There's plenty of trade shows to attend. Good stuff. So other questions out there, Dan, what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. Just fire an email off to Dan at the wealthy retailer.com. Uh, send me a carrier pigeon, give me a call or a text, whatever's easiest for you. Um, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get you an answer right or wrong. We'll get you an answer. Good stuff. And if you haven't yet, be sure to head to retail by CRS.com. We'll have the links to these stories. There's a few more here that I I'm sure you'll, you'll have some interest in one fun little story about new owners taking on uh, what was about a 40 year old retail operation already. And, and, you know, building on that, but also setting their new path. Uh, another real estate boom in Canada, and it's really being uh, fueled by that online shopping. And, and uh, so some insight there that uh, I'm sure you'll find interesting. And uh, boy, this word just, I looked at it and I'm like, this, this is a weird word. I haven't seen this. Triangulation scam and, and a story about retail triangulation scam. And, and uh, you know what? I think at the very least, it's, it's worth just understanding oh. what the heck that is. And uh, so that and more, head to retailbycrs.com. Sign up for that newsletter. If someone you know isn't on it yet, uh, do them a favor and get them to sign up too. Right on. Have a great week, everyone. All right, retailers, have a good one. <laughs>